our attention now to the reading and proclamation of God's word. Let us pray for the Spirit's illumination. O oh God, your word is active and alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. So cut through the distractions in our minds and silence in us any voice but your own, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we might receive with joy what you have to say to us today. These prayers we make in the name of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. Amen. The New Testament lesson today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered what was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. The Jews then said to him, The temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. In our sermon text today, as we continue in our summer sermon series on the Psalms, is Psalm 42. I invite you once again to listen for the word of the Lord. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in the procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. 
and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's no place like home, is there? There's no place like home. The moral of the story from the Wizard of Oz still resonates with everyone who's ever found themselves in a distant land, especially a harsh and hostile one, especially one in which they feel like strangers. Some of us travel on our own volition and love the adventure of exploring a new place we've never been before. But eventually, for most all of us, there comes a time when we just want to go home, right? Homesickness can weigh heavily upon us, and we long to return to a familiar, safe place we call home, the place we can let our guard down and settle deep into our favorite easy chair. Well, our psalmist in today's psalm finds himself missing home. His home is in Jerusalem, but our psalm locates him in the land of Jordan and Hermon near Mount Miser, a place that seems to have been in the northern part of Palestine near the Jordan River. It's a place where King David fled into exile during the rebellion of his son Absalom. It's a place that's far from home. Whether or not the psalmist, like David, is in exile, we don't know. But for whatever reason, he finds himself on the edge of the known world, the edge of civilization. In fact, the imagery in the psalm suggests he's on the edge of creation itself, at that fabled end of the earth, if you will, which shares a border with the primordial chaos. The roaring waterfalls and the calling deep Recall the watery turmoil that existed before God spoke order and function into creation at the dawn of time. Home is our place of order and function, right? The place we long to return when we feel lost, alone, or to use the psalmist's words, cast down and disquieted. And just as we all have a physical need for a home to which we can return when our distant ventures with the unfamiliar become overwhelming, so also all of us have a spiritual need for a spiritual home to which we can return when the landscape of our faith becomes unfamiliar and overwhelming. Just as our homes provide stability for our lives, so also our spiritual homes provide stability for our lives of faith. The psalmist is just as homesick for his spiritual home as he is for his physical home. His spiritual home is the temple in Jerusalem, the place where God is worshipped and encountered, 
The psalmist recalls the liturgical procession of the congregation up to the temple mounts, the songs of praise and the festive atmosphere of worship. He thirsts to be in his spiritual home again because enemies surround him in the solitude of this strange, distant land. The identities of these enemies is not clear, but they do have a voice, and they taunt the psalmist with the question, where is your God? This taunt, of course, is a theological one and suggests a kind of spiritual homesickness on the part of the psalmist. God has often felt present in the psalmist's spiritual home in the temple, but in this distant land, God also feels distant and far away. Homesickness, of course, is a difficult thing, and you surely know the feeling if you've ever gone off to college or had to travel for work or served in the military. Spiritual homesickness is also a difficult thing, and you surely know the feeling if you've ever experienced a season of doubt or questioned whether God is really with you or felt uninspired and flat when you say your prayers. The cure for homesickness, of course, is to go home. And the balm for spiritual homesickness is to return to your spiritual home. Our spiritual home is simply the place where we have profoundly experienced the presence of God. Our spiritual home is the place where God showed up, often in a way that is out of the ordinary. We might even say extraordinary. Our spiritual home is a place of ease, of joy, comfort, or hope. Such places are sometimes referred to as thin places to allude to the fact that sometimes the boundary between heaven and earth seems especially thin, especially translucent, perhaps even indistinguishable. A thin place is a place where we have met God, or rather where God has met us, and in such a way that the encounter left a lasting impression on us. As you read through the Old Testament, you'll notice that people are often building these little rock monuments at the places where God bursts onto the scene and encounters them. These markers identify the spiritual homes of the people. It's like marking the spot with an X so that if God's presence were to be sought again, the spot could be identified as a place where God is likely to be found because God has shown up there before. A moment ago, we sang the hymn, Come Thou Fount, and in the second verse we sang, Here I raise my Ebenezer. Perhaps you wondered what an Ebenezer is and why it is we would raise it in the middle of a hymn. Well, in 1 Samuel 7, the Israelites go to battle against the Philistines, and they quickly realize that they're outmatched, and there's no way they could win this battle by their own strength. So the prophet Samuel raises his arms to heaven, and God thunders with strength and comes down and delivers the people. So after the battle is over, Samuel sets up a stone at the place of the victory, and he names it Ebenezer which means in Hebrew, rock of my help. He raises his Ebenezer in that place so it would not be forgotten. 
so that it could later be identified as a place where a God event happened, a place where God showed up. It became one of Israel's spiritual homes, a thin place where God transcended the boundary between heaven and earth. Do you have a place in your life that you can identify as a thin place? Can you identify a spiritual home for you? A place where you caught a glimpse of heaven, a place where your heart was strangely warmed, a place where God's peace, which surpasses all understanding, encompassed and surrounded you. Perhaps your thin place is a place of deep insight or overwhelming gratitude or profound creative expression. For many of our youth, Montreat, North Carolina is a thin place. At their annual summer conference two weeks ago, they experienced the sort of worship that the psalmist celebrates in this psalm. They worshiped with hundreds of other students their age, a multitude-keeping festival with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving. In their twice-daily small group meetings, they're able to be vulnerable and let their guards down and reflect on the shared experience of growing up in today's world. It's not easy growing up today, and I suppose it's never been easy to grow up. Many of our youth can relate to the weight the psalmist's soul bears. And yet when they think back to their thin place, when they remember the experiences they've had at Montreat, they remember how profoundly God met them there. They recall Montreat as their spiritual home, a safe place to ask questions in small group, a safe place to laugh and dance through morning energizers, a safe place to reflect on the day with one another in the evening. Many adults in our church have shared with me that their experiences at Montreat when they were youth left a permanent impression on them. And as they look back on their own spiritual development, Montreat proved to be a deeply formative annual tradition. I'm sure that a decade from now, many of our youth will look back on Montreat in the same way. Montreat is a thin place, a spiritual home. Indeed, there is no place like home, and it's also said that home is where the heart is. What distinguishes a house from a home is that a home is often more about people than it is about place. Our house brings a certain level of comfort, to be sure, but if it's void of those we love, well, it's not fully our home. Even if we live alone, we may feel just as much at home in the presence of our best friends as we do in the stillness of our living rooms. For the psalmist, the temple is his spiritual house, but it's the people with whom he worships God that make the temple his spiritual home. After all, it's the multitude that he remembers in the psalm, right? It's the procession that he remembers. It's the collection of shouts and songs that resonate with the depth of his soul. The safe community of his spiritual home contrasts with the loneliness of the hostile solitude he encounters far away in the land of Jordan and Hermon near Mount Miser. Our experiences with God are sometimes solitary, and our thin places are sometimes 
unique to us. But often we experience God in community, and our thin places are shared experiences. So it is at Montreat where the fellowship that's formed among our youth throughout the week embodies God's gentle, faithful presence. One morning, our group got up at 5 o'clock to hike to the top of Lookout Mountain and witness the sunrise. The hike was short but quite steep, and by Thursday morning, many of us were feeling the pleasant exhaustion of laughter and conversation. But in anticipation of what awaited us at the top, we reached the summit in plenty of time, and the sun peaked over the horizon, announcing God's gift of another day. It was a beautiful moment. The whisper of the forest and the changing colors that swept over us swept us off our feet. The rock outcrop at the top of Lookout Mountain was our Ebenezer, a place where God met us and stilled our hearts, a place we'd like to visit again. And we were glad to have shared that moment together as a community of faith. It wouldn't have been the same by ourselves. There's something about the forest that proves to be a spiritual home for many of us. Maybe it's the vastness of the trees that makes us feel small, and with it makes our anxieties seem a little less encompassing. Maybe it's the quiet that helps clear the clutter in our minds. I don't know. But as our keynote speaker described at Montreat, we all have a certain spiritual personality, different ways of relating to God, and for those of us with a naturalist spiritual personality, we connect with God in nature. Our middle school youth explored the naturalist side of their faith this past week over the course of our outdoor challenge trip. Through adventures in caving, high ropes courses, river trips, and camping, the youth challenged themselves to take risks, to learn new things, and to trust God. Shared experiences generally, but shared challenges especially, bond a group together closely. For many and perhaps all of the youth on this trip, Camp Lookout in Georgia and G Creek Campground in Tennessee have become thin places, spiritual homes. One night, we huddled around the campfire, thick darkness at our backs, but the dancing light of the fire on our faces we went around the circle and everyone shared something for which they were grateful. One person thanked God for that present moment, for the people seated around the circle and the place where we were. She prayed that God would never allow that moment to be forgotten. And in doing so, this youth was staking a claim to that place as her spiritual home. She was raising an Ebenezer to mark the spot where God showed up. The next day, we floated down the gentle rivers, swelled with rain, and there were moments of laughter as we raced and splashed each other. And then there were moments of deep reflection at the beauty that surrounded us. It rained a lot, which could have been cause for dismay, but the rhythm of the raindrops hitting the river all around us became a moment of revelation. As Ben McDonald put it so well, Perhaps the thousands of small ripples across the river from each raindrop hitting the water were signs of subtle gratitude from the raindrops 
as they were reunited with a body of water immeasurably larger than themselves. The river was home to the raindrops, and each of us felt like a raindrop flowing on the river of God's immeasurable love. The Hiawassee River is a thin place. Camp Lookout is a spiritual home. You see, all of us need a spiritual home to which we can return when our faith feels frail and threatened or just dull and inconsequential. Our youth have been privileged to visit their spiritual homes in the mountains these last two weeks, but some of us are unable to visit our spiritual homes for a variety of reasons. Perhaps it's too expensive or too physically demanding, or perhaps the place no longer exists in the form it once did, or perhaps the people who made the house a home are no longer with us or have moved on. Well, so it was for the psalmist in our psalm today. The psalmist is blocked by the enemy from returning to the temple, and so he asks God, how long? How long, O Lord, must I stay in this desolate land? How long will the enemy taunt me? How long will I thirst for your presence? But despite the weight of emotion in this psalm, all is not lost, because the psalmist is able to remember his spiritual home. These things I remember from the land of Jordan and Herbin. He's able to recall his thin place and what it was like, what it meant to him. And in his remembering, the psalmist is able to proclaim, as the psalm draws to its conclusion, hope in God, for I will again praise him, my help and my God. His memory of the temple is enough to strengthen him when trouble surrounds. So friends, what is your thin place? What is your spiritual home? Perhaps it's someplace far away, or perhaps you are sitting in it right now. But wherever it is, and whomever you may share your spiritual home with, don't allow those experiences to fade or be forgotten. Remember them. Write about them. Look at pictures of them whatever it takes. And if you're a youth who joined us on either of our trips to Montreat or Outdoor Challenge these last two weeks, don't forget, as school starts and your life resumes, don't forget what Montreat and Outdoor Challenge meant to you. Because in the end, whether you can travel to your spiritual home at your leisure, or only from time to time, or perhaps even never again, in the end, your memories remain with you as Ebenezer's marking the spots along your journey of faith. And Christian faith is often an exercise in remembering. Our lives, after all, are always changing. And God shows up in lots of times and ways and in lots of places. It would be a shame if in a moment of sadness or despair, we forgot what it's like when in God's presence we felt 
right at home. After all, there's no place like our spiritual home. Thanks be to God. Amen.